The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast and our very first episode of 2024. And in celebration of the new year, I wanted to do something a little different. So I've invited some of our members from the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle to join me for a deep dialogue called Seeds of Transformation. Sacred Changemakers reflect on 2023 and share insights for 2024. And let me tell you, this is one conversation you don't want to miss. It's a kind of captivating exchange of reflections, personal experiences, and visionary insights. And I'm joined today by five sacred change makers. We have Al Spicer, Angela Nesbitt, David Wetton, Joe Medwell, and Anna Munoz, with different perspectives from different parts of the world. This is truly a cross-cultural conversation. And although I normally read out our guest bios, I'm not going to do that today. It would take too long. So please take a look at the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com to read the full bios and links of today. Guess. Now, our conversation begins with a deep exploration of the energetic and emotional landscape as we transition from a year of contemplation into an era of action represented by the wood dragon in Chinese astrology. Our guests share their profound realizations and experiences and perspectives on so many different areas of life, leadership, and business, embracing both masculine and feminine energies in their personal and professional lives. This leads us into a profound discussion on neuroscience, the interconnectedness of the heart, the gut, and the mind, and also a shift in consciousness from 3D to 5D. And as the dialogue progresses, we discuss our individual insights on the integration of the masculine and the feminine, the significance of emotional and spiritual intelligence, including indigenous wisdom, and the impact of technological advancements on our human experience. Our guests share their wisdom on aligning towards a more sacred way of living and the importance of agency and personal choice, and also the need to embrace disruptive changes in 2024. So with its kind of rich tapestry of conversations, touching on personal growth, societal shifts in the world economy, the conflicts currently going on in our world, and the potential of robotics, AI, and cryptocurrency, this episode offers profound insights that will inspire and guide you as you navigate the transformative landscape of the coming year. So why not join us on this journey of introspection, visionary wisdom, and personal empowerment as we explore the seeds of transformation with the sacred change makers. Prepare to be transported on a thought-provoking and enlightening journey as I open the conversations with our guests. 
Hello, everyone, and particularly hello to our Sacred Changemakers Roundtable guests, who are all members of our inner circle and thought leaders in their own right. And that's who we have with us today, because we have five guests for our discussion today, which is named Seeds of Transformation, Sacred Changemakers Reflect on 2023, and also share insights for 2024. So, I'd really like to ask each of you if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself so our listeners can match your voice to your name. And of course, if you're listening in and want to find out more about our guests, all of their details and links are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. Okay, so let's begin. And first we have Al Spicer. Al, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Jane. I'm so thrilled to be here. I always love getting together with everyone. and I know we're going to have an amazing conversation um, so I'm the CEO and founder of Extraordinary Life. You can find us at ExtraordinaryLife.com. And I'm calling you from Chicago, USA. Perfect. Thanks, Al. Next, we have Angela Nesbitt. I thank you, Jane, for inviting me. And yes, I smile when I see all of your faces. <laughs> so the name's Angela Nesbitt, and I'm the principal of Angela Nesbitt Leadership. And I am calling in from New York, just outside New York City, and I come originally from Nairobi, Kenya, so my accent's a bit different. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Angela. Next, we have David Wetton, and you're calling in from a different part of the world, David. <laughs> a very different part of the world, James. Great to be here. Yes, I'll start with that. Actually, I'm, I'm calling in from uh, Bourneville in the centre of England, home to Cadbury's Chocolate, which is significant, actually, because they were Quakers who founded it, and they founded a factory in a garden. And the reason I say that is, is I trade as spirit in work. So why that's relevant is that I'm about empowering leaders to actually strike their perfect balance between their inner spiritual expression and their outer business ambition. And the point of the Quakers is that was the end of the 1800s. So this is nothing new. It's something I think we're returning to, Jane. Mm, love it. Thanks, David. Next, we have Joe, Joe Medwell. Welcome to you, my friend. <laughs> Hi, it's Jane. Yeah, it's really, really wonderful to be here. And um, I'm just a bit further north than David, I think about an hour and a half, um, also in the UK, in beautiful Derbyshire. And um, after travelling and living in different parts of the globe in the UK, I have recently returned to my roots. Um, so not sure the Derbyshire accent is there or not. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Leadership Alignment, and I really help leaders become values driven at their core and bring ancient wisdom into their leadership today. And my new website is currently being built. It's joemedwell.com. Perfect. Thank you. And last by no means least, we have Anna Munoz. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm in a completely different part of the world as well. And I am the founder and CEO of Exceto Potencial. We are a coaching uh, business that help busy professionals to move from stress and anxiety to make decisions from a place of, a place of peace and align you know, their personal life with their professional life so they can thrive in their life and business. Mainly, I'm focused on Spanish-speaking people. However, I also work with English-speaking people. So my website is in Spanish, and it's excedetupotencial.com. However, as I'm saying, I also uh, work in English, and I'm located in Guatemala, Central America. 
Okay, thank you, Anna. Well, we did that very well, guys, because we had two from America, two from England, and then Anna, you from Guatemala. So that was great. And that I hadn't thought about doing it that way. But I just want to thank each of you for giving your time so freely today. I'm really looking forward to hearing your insights and your reflections. So let's get started with kind of a very open question. So as we look back on 2023, guys, what is it important that we talk about today? There's so many things and so little time. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> I think that silent moment of everyone was like, hmm, where do we start? Where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. The shallow end of the pool, the deep <laughs> end of the pool, where do we want to, you know, how warm is it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It feels like 2023 was a, a culmination and there's been a merge of years somehow, the last three, four years. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what do you mean by that, Joe? a merge of years? I... I I think because the world is, is gone and is going through massive change um, with um, everything that happened with the pandemic. Um, there's so many angles and facets around that that um, it, it's brought a lot of things, issues to the surface. It's invited, let's use the word invite, maybe forced, <laughs> invited people to uh, go inside and really look at what's important to them and it it feels like just from my experience if people aren't doing that life is going come on do it come on and, and now this is going to happen and, unless you do yeah. and it, it feels like there's been a lot of contemplation shifting what's been happening do we like it do we not where do we want to go? And I appreciate that feels quite simple on a really big subject, but I always think that's best with a very big yeah. subject, particularly <laughs> at the start. <laughs> I completely agree with you. You know, I feel like uh, the people that haven't done the work in these last three years, like go inside themselves, they're having a really hard time. And if they don't agree to start doing it in next year, it's going to be really, really awful for them. That's as well what I have seen, what I have experienced with my clients and what I think the biggest shift is if we're not doing the work inside of us, it's hitting us really hard. And I want to jump in there actually and just talk about a couple of quick things just personally, actually, because I think what's been said is really important. And what I've been noticing for myself is actually just noticing the patterns that I've been living in possibly for the past decades and and I, I I think it's like almost like the water I've been swimming in, like the goldfish in the bowl. I haven't noticed, but it's there. So one example of that for me is I did some leadership training in Glastonbury that was within the, the goddess leadership community, which is absolutely amazing. And I sat in a goddess premises and the whole place was dedicated to goddess. So the water I've been swimming, I suddenly realized as a male that I've been swimming in this patriarchal spirituality, particularly through Christianity. And here I was surrounded by the goddess and it felt really comfortable, uncomfortable, I should say. So really for me, it was, you know, how do I get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable? 
And so that's one thing, the patterns. And the second thing linked into that, Joe was talking about keeping it simple. And I like that because one of the things, a very powerful practice for me has been just, I am aware of. It sounds little and silly, but this simple awareness and allowing. So I'm like an observer, I'm feeling this, I'm aware of, not running away from the feelings, being with it. And I had a tremendous change this year where I just sat with something. It was really very, very painful and I'm aware of and just sat with it and, and, and it, it moved over time. And it was amazing. So this simple practice, and I think coming back, you know, Anna was saying this, the inner life, the spiritual life. I think if, you, if you're walking as a sacred change maker, this inner life is so important. And 2023 for me has been really, it's been a step change in that. Things have come to the forefront and possibly as sacred change makers, um, I see us not in any ego way, but just as a sense, you know, sometimes they're called edge walkers, just acting as guides. But it means that we, the onus is on me to do my inner work, I think is how I would say. Because how can I be a guide if I've not done the work myself? As finally, as someone said to me, David, you can only accompany or take someone as deep as you've been prepared to go yourself. So if someone listening, that's the challenge. How deep are you prepared to go? Al spoke about that. <laughs> And I think it's, that's so key. I think getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is a theme for me as well. The last couple, I mean, ever since the pandemic and having to redesign my relationship to what I think is quote unquote normal or what should be versus what is and really embracing what is, is so key. And then the other thing, so we're talking about all these big events, the pandemic, you know, what's happening on the heels of that and all the disruption in the world today um is we can't forget also you know the emergence of ai and technology and how that's pressing on us and accelerating our experiences which also creates an intensity i think for all of us at various levels and trying to calibrate and adapt to uh the speed at which things are happening today the flow of information and trying to make sense of it and and you know it used to be wow do i have access to information and that seems almost irrelevant now i mean information's at your fingertips you just google whatever you want i think what we're all hungry for at some level is insight and going further than insight really is about getting in touch i think what you're alluding to david this deeper inner spiritual connection what is it all about what's it really mean for us individually um and really as a species as human beings where are we emerging into i think it's a really key question um to be wrestled with and in all of that there is this huge disruption at multiple levels which is challenging as human beings oh she's taking a steep there i'm hearing <laughs> i need a cup of jump it in let's go <laughs> it's what so it's so interesting because we're speaking to some of the major themes of, of last year here. And I've just written some notes so that I can just kind of frame our conversation. So we've talked about the importance of the inner life and the inner work and how that's kind of come to the fore this year. Um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and kind of navigating our own edges with that. We've talked about the masculine and the feminine, you know, and how this new conversation is beginning to emerge. Well, I'm calling it new, but in many ways, it's from the ancient wisdom traditions, as I found out when I was in Ecuador, you know, the, the prophecy of the eagle and the condor and the fact that the eagle represents the masculine, the condor, the feminine. And now these two birds are starting to fly together in the prophecy, meaning that there is this rise of feminine energy 
um, really, I mean, I think it's one of many things, you know, because we, you know, Black Lives Matter is still around as well. And we're looking at diversity and inclusion in organizational life. All of those things now are starting to well, we're starting to get a motivation to come back into balance in some way. Um, we've talked about it as being a step change. We've talked about insights and wisdom where we're overloaded with information. And we've also talked about AI and the speed of change there. So, you know, there's a real like, I don't know, it almost feels like opening Pandora's box <laughs> or the can of the proverbial can of worms that most of my clients talk about when we start talking about change inside of organizations life but I don't know where we want to start but for me there's something that we've talked about here that feels really alive and this is this this harmonization of the masculine and feminine David you brought it up with the, you know going to the goddess like retreat in uh, Glastonbury and really realizing I'd love to get a sense of like what's different what was different there what was the insights for you there um in terms of the the masculine and the feminine starting to align more i think it's actually i spoke about patterns i think it's actually for me it was this realization that i and i believe everyone does has however you want to phrase it has masculine and feminine characteristics mm. so if i move it up in my language it's like well actually respecting divine feminine and the sacred masculine and so it's being strong and caring you know, masculine. and we all have that and it's in different ratios and isn't that beautiful for me you know celebrating our diversity so celebrating our unity through our diversity is part of this so you know we're not all the same but we do have these these things within us so actually for me what i'm seeing and why i think it's important it's this integration piece which you just spoke beautifully to from the ancient wisdoms if you like the indigenous wisdoms and when I look at it, it's kind of actually what's coming to the fore is the importance of emotional and spiritual intelligence, which traditionally tends to be more feminine characteristics. And then what's happening, the IQ is still there and perhaps the physical side for the males. But for a male, because we were brought up more in that IQ, this is where perhaps me and Al are comfortable with, with being feeling uncomfortable, a sense of actually embracing all of it. And I think some people may be feeling quite disjointed because if you've come up through what I call the 80s, 90s, the capitalist society where it was be strong, don't show your emotions, it's about the numbers. COVID has really blown that apart. And it's like, no, it's about the connection. And I think some of the beautiful things around this masculine feminine is is how we're actually getting a sense of connection is so important as opposed to perhaps separation during COVID or whatever. And this sense of being fully present with something. So it might be a male trait, what we're doing tomorrow, what's happening, what we've done in the past, but what's happening now in this moment? Can I really be present in this moment? Yeah. So I think there's a lot going on. And I sense this importance of the uh, masculine feminine is so important. And actually with a colleague in Glastonbury here in the UK, which is a deeply spiritual place, we looked at the aspect of the Holy Grail in the myth and actually saying the Holy Grail is actually the coming together of the masculine and feminine and in the kabbalah tradition you have the feminine and masculine pillars on the tree of life and they come together at the top and one of my teachers megan wagner at the top has uh, what i'm going to call she has jesus or christ and mary magdalene so they're both at the top and i call it christ consciousness and magdalene consciousness coming together so whatever faith tradition or not you're in you probably have a sense of what this means 
So it is an exciting time. It's a challenging time as well. But I do think humanity is going through a step change. We've not yet mentioned that. I think we are going through a step change. And I want to name that and put that on the table. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And I want to ask the women that are here something, because I don't know if I'm, I don't, I suspect I'm not unusual in this. Um, and that is that what's interesting for me and what you've shared there, David, is that I also have learned the masculine patriarchy way of leading and being in an organizational life, despite the fact that I'm a woman. And yet this year, as the year's gone on, I felt probably for the first time that I have permission to be female. In organizational life and that is very new for me and I just wondered you know what 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 the other women on the panel feel of that is is that something that resonates for you too so this is Angela for those listening um <laughs> it's been a several year journey for me um and I'd say probably about three five years ago I got very clear that I only feel comfortable when I'm in a both and situation so that both the masculine and the feminine is there. So when I'm talking with women's groups who are very clear about um, following the female energy and um, that kind of thinking and mental models, I get a bit uncomfortable because I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you still got to have the masculine energy. And then when I'm with those who are very used to thinking with the masculine thinking, which is often men, especially Western men, it's a, um, I feel like, well, there is more, right? There, there is more at your heart level, the more female side. So the image that came to years ago is if you have oars, if you, or if you pull with one oar, you go in circles. If you only do the feminine, you go, right you're going to do the male you go left and you need both to go forward yeah no beautifully said yeah and it's something i'd like to speak to that um jane um it's something i've had uh many many um challenges with over the last 25 30 years and i seem to have predominantly been um from a, while i fully appreciate it's not about men and women it's about the energies we hold inside but I always seem to have been a woman in a man's world. Like my background started in banking. I then went out to the Middle East and set up my own business in the UAE and um, a woman in an Arabic man's world, really. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I look back and I, I think, was it more of a challenge than I thought? Because I think sometimes we can pass it off, but actually the... Um, there's, an, there's the real deep invitation to hold both the masculine and the feminine and to, to notice. And I, I can see where my own journey's gone from um, being too much in my masculine in that world to having awarenesses and noticing that and um, consciously bringing in the feminine, that intuitive part. Um, but what I've noticed in my clients in recent, maybe the last seven to eight years is most of my clients actually being men, I maybe mean, probably just over the 60%, 40% men, women, but they've been men that have really wanted to open up to their intuitive part. Now, I wouldn't necessarily sit there and say, hey, this is your feminine part, but it is. And um, I think that's wonderful to see. And it it sort of shows me my transition because 
when, when you're working with somebody, you do get the sacred mirror, um, not directing every single thing. But it, it's, I think I've noticed that shift and I could give many examples of where I've been in a position and blindsided and I've had to learn to own my power, but own my soft power so that it's with the feminine. Um, but I, I do think that eagle and condor are not far off. Um, Can you say, say more about the sacred mirror? I just caught you saying that. Would you elaborate on that? The sacred the mirror. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I often find that when you are, maybe it's even in a conversation with a friend or a colleague, or I'm sure it's happening right now, actually, is that um, your client or your friend or one of us will say something and hopefully the listeners are feeling this as well, that um, brings something to the fore for the person who's listening. Um, and I mean, I always reflect on it afterwards if it's a client, um, but it's okay. What's being presented here, and there may just be an aspect of it that speaks to you, to your heart, to, hmm, interesting. I've been through that, but was it exactly the same or... Oh, there's a challenge coming up here. Um, hmm, where is that in me? And I think that links beautifully into, into the inner work. Um, but I do think we have to be careful to not think every single thing is a mirror, but it's a, <laughs> there's a, a discernment um, around it. Yeah. We're also touching on energy. So we're sort of dancing or you're making me think of that too. So there's sort of this energetic level, which I think would be categorized in the feminine area but i think that's something people are also more and more open to considering um at different levels in terms of the energetic um experiences we have that are mostly unconscious for a lot of people but i think is hopefully emerging where it's becoming more conscious and using that as another source of insight and wisdom and dynamism in our relationships and and insight about part of our you know what is it that we're working working on and how we're evolving individually as a community as a country as a world um and being sensitive at those higher levels um and i think i just want to placehold too jane I, having been to ecuador in your indigenous experience i think we would be a real missing for you not to share about that on this uh panel sometime i just want to placehold that um and the other thing i wanted to share which you had me thinking about or this discussions had me thinking about is also as science is evolving with quantum theory and even just the fact that it's known that there's really three brains, three areas of wisdom and insight that are operating, whereas historically, which I would put in the patriarchal category, is all about your head. How smart are you? What are you getting done? Stay rational, keep emotions out of the way. And what we know today is that actually the heart has very specific you know, neurons and insight and wisdom that's contributing to our experience. And so is our gut. There's independent in, um, information and insights available from our gut. And the three of those intermixing and sharing with each other um, is a really uh, important part of our experience and accessing a different level of insight and wisdom. So there's that as well. So Al, if I could just piggyback on what you just said, um, it's actually agree that most of us, me included, very head, that's what's supposed to be dominant. But the, um, the neural paths, the roads, sending information from the heart to the head versus the head to the heart is like a 50 to one ratio. But most of us are 
don't listen to what the heart is saying. And then from the gut to the head is a seven to one ratio. So the information coming from my head to our heart and gut is slower and there's less road, shall we say, compared to the other way. So uh, yes, I'm very much on a journey to listen more to my heart and body. That's great, Angela. I didn't know that. Say that again for maybe for me and the listener. So you said. Uh, so this is what I'm told because I'm not yeah. an original okay. scientist. Is is a fifty to one ratio heart to head. Okay. And a seven to one ratio gut to head. Right. Um, and and these we're talking about brain cells, um, which and neurons that are associated with our skull brain are also found in our heart and our gut, but the intelligence that you're supposed to get, how you're supposed to use that intelligence is very different. Um, so the heart is definitely a place of wisdom. I think the Chinese call it the uh, seat of the emperor or the empress. Uh, the gut protects our values and our identity and our, our head's there for creativity. Um, and we sometimes forget that and think the head is the originator of I'm going to say the skull brain is, is originator. But it's these are all mental models, right? Because, yes. It's so funny you said that at the end, Angela, because all I could hear when you were talking was Raul, who is the head of Wyan Sensor uh, from the Achua Nation from Ecuador, in my head saying to me, why are you just talking about fragments of yourself? <laughs> Right. When, of course, these things are not separate. Like, why do you think they're separate? They're not separate. Like, what are you doing? And he almost had this look of distaste on his face when he said this to me. And it's so funny because in our knowledge base and our science, we're so used to dividing things out into pieces so that we can start to understand them and almost then putting them back together in kind of a systemic way in some ways but from the indigenous perspective and and you know this is one of the things you've all mentioned about remembering the wisdom not just like gaining new knowledge this year but it's like we're going back to this space of remembering and it, this remembering for me now is very alive following my trip to Ecuador, which is that we're not pieces. We're not just a brain or a heart or a, a gut, for example, because what I learned was in a very kind of ephemeral way that I'm whole. But not only am I whole, I'm not an individual. I'm part of the web of life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd heard that before I went. But when I was there, I lived it. I lived as a whole person, like a fractal of the whole, like just immersed in this way of life that was so simple and so sacred. And so that's another word I wanted to ask you guys about, because I think each of you have mentioned it at some point in this conversation already. And this, this word sacred is not something that we talk a lot about, particularly in leadership and business terms. So what does it mean to you when you look at last year through maybe a sacred lens? What bubbles, what bubbles up? Okay, I think... go on, go on, Anna. <laughs> okay, thank you. No, I'll follow um, you. For me, and I want to, you know, kind of like wrap up everything you've been saying. It's like 
in the last years, we've been in survival mode. That's the head. Right. And in this imbalance of masculine and feminine and me as well, I've been more in my masculine. And in the last 15 years, I've been working to balance that. So now we're moving in a in a way of being more aligned to our authenticity because we haven't lived from there because we've been in survival mode probably most of our lives. Right. And now like everything, like the shift that is happening is bringing us to align, to be more authentic to live much more from a sacred place of who we truly are and that brings that balance between masculine and feminine and as well it's like being part of the whole like we are not just ourselves but we are something much bigger much sacred as you were saying Jane that you lived in Ecuador and actually it's what we live every day but since we're so much in our head we don't need to integrate the head, the heart, and the gut. And we, when we do that, we finally align. But, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. Because at the end, we need to think it, feel it, and, and embrace it or, uh, you know, embody it, really. Mm. And I think that's where we're moving towards. Obviously, we're in different levels, each of us, and the audience as well, and that's and bringing it back to what I said at the beginning, people that haven't started working on that, it's going to have it, they're going to have it really, really hard in 2024, because anyway, everything is forcing us in that direction. So if we don't want to do it, because we want to do it, we will have to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I'm going to share something that Actually, when I heard this, kind of blew my head, heart, and body talking about these <laughs> centers. And that is someone said to me, either everything is sacred or nothing is, mm -hmm. which is quite powerful. And where I bring you back to what you said, Jane, what's what I'd written down before I came on, I thought, why have I written this word down? But it kind of makes sense now. I understand why. You spoke about the circle of life. And in the Western world, so I'll speak from my Western world perspective, you know, we have birth, we have life, and we have death. Now, traditionally, of course, birth, and I've just become a grandmother for the second time, it's celebrated, it's fabulous, you know, healthy baby, wow, what a gift. Life, you know, people get married or they get you know, all those things that happen, oh, we celebrate. Death goes very quiet and we don't want to go there. So the word I wrote down, strangely, was actually death. So actually, how do we bring death to a place where it becomes not celebrated, but actually it has this sacred, same sacred perhaps presence that perhaps the birth and the life does. And one vulnerable example for me is my father, you don't know this, generation. my father had a second stroke recently, a couple of weeks ago. So he's not too well, but my mom, they're both in the late 80s and myself, my two daughters and my brother, I probably get emotional, have decided that over the Christmas period, we're going to ask them questions about their life. So I can share with the grandchildren who are now, you know, not one and three in future. But I'll record that. So we're coming up with questions, perhaps about World War II, what do they live through? And just honouring, because quite often I just felt in the past we would not have raised this. And we spoke to them and they said, yes, actually, we would love to do this. So perhaps there's an opening on this thing around death. And of course, death isn't just the body. How about death of an organisation? If you struggled, and I've always thought for a while, when an organization or even a department in an organization perhaps is closed or people made redundant, 
how do we manage this in in a how can we how can we become more you use the word i think whole was it jane how can we become more whole in the way we respond to this so it's not because my experience in the western world is it's kind of brushed under the carpet oh they've been made redundant or this division has closed down get on with your work how do we actually bring a real beautiful presence to that and perhaps say thank you for their contribution and perhaps thank you and bless them moving on this word of blessing so there's an energy change here for me around of course there's still sadness there and we're not going to bypass that mm. but how can we actually bring a really a, a stronger presence to, to this occasion you get probably get a sense with me asking you know it could be that you could be asking the organization it's me asking my daughters and my brother there's a sense of coming together in this and kind of being in it together. So, David, you brought something important. We started talking about death, and I think we really can't go to death if we don't feel safe. If there is a real grounding. Um, and when I look at, especially last year, I, I think we're constantly being given an opportunity. Are we going to be in scarcity or abundance? Like, what, what are we going to stand on? And we get lots of information about the scarcity model. Um, there's all these political upheavals. And you, we hear about democracies going down. There's ecological disaster. Um, th there is um, very powerful interests that are doing everything they can to gain more power and, and um, fostering fear mongering. And so you have a lot of fear and loathing that's being produced. And that's what if you stay there in the scarcity model, then you're you're going down. It, it just, it's very hard to live. But if we if you're standing on abundance, where it's a, a both and, life and death, you and me, there's a sense of belonging. Um, and if we look, there is so much evidence of abundance. Every time I look, do any research or I'm in conversation, there are more social impact businesses. They're more mission driven businesses. Um, there seems to be a lot of evidence to say, we currently have enough technology so that every last person on this earth can live in abundance. Now they can't live in um, a lifestyle where there's, which we've had up to now, a lot of raping and pillaging of the land, but there is enough for all of us. And I see that evidence, especially outside of the US and outside of Europe, where th these countries, third world countries, have are they, they're reaping the dividends of education. And when I look at, uh, uh, let's say, uh, board reports, or I go online and I'm looking at who are the leaders at all different stages from BlackRock, you know, major funds to little come I'm seeing a lot of people of lots of different shapes and stripes. Um, when I looked at the agenda for COP28 in Dubai just recently, uh, and the networking and so many small companies and individuals that were there, this grassroots activity that's going on, there's lots of hope. And I could keep talking, but it'll stop now. <laughs> Well, I think there's a lot. What, I, David, what you were sharing, I, I love that topic. I mean, that's its own podcast, just our relationship to death. I mean, there's so much to say on that. I remember one of the most impactful books I read was Denial of Death by Becker, which I read in a philosophy class in college, and it just changed my whole 
perspective about that and the need to embrace death um, in order to fully live life. And I think one of the things, and then bringing up fear, Angela, is a really interesting point too. And if you think about the one thing that's constant and we can always count on is change, right? And what's change really, but little deaths. I mean, a lot of ways, it's just little deaths in it over and over and over again, that where we're having to redesign and redesign a relationship to whatever it is that is changing and embracing that. And I think there is a lot to be said about the level of consciousness and choosing our experience and how we want to be in relationship to that change and whether or not we are standing in fear and scarcity, like you shared, Angela, you know, or there's also a choice that there's, an, you know, coming from inspiration and recognizing there is abundance and in change is opportunity and not letting it, not letting us become overcome by fear. Now there's the other thing that's, and I'm saying that that's, that's, Another huge influence for all of us is media, right? Which feeds and is insatiable to power fear in our experience. And that's, an, that's another podcast that we could talk about just in itself is just the influence of media and social media and technology. And it's amazing and incredible and changing our lives. And it's also incredibly toxic in ways that as human beings, we're still trying to understand how to manage it, make sense of it. And it's in the very, very early stages. And we've got AI coming around the corner. And that's going to be another whole tidal wave of change and what that means. And it's all happening faster than I feel like we're able to keep up. And um, anyway, so and I also think about, you know, the Bezos or the Musk of the world, you know, have incredible talk about resources and vision. And if you listen to them, they're very optimistic and very positive about what's, you know, the future and being in space and looking way beyond our planet. And that's, you know, another whole perspective, which um, is interesting. It's fun to play in that area. I have a ways to go to really embrace that. But, um, but yeah, I think the conversation is so rich right now. I feel like there's just multiple, you know, channels we could go down and have a rich conversation. So I'm going <laughs> to stop there and let someone else take it. I'd like to take it because um, I'd, I'd like, I think, meshed within all of that. And we've heard embrace death and the fear and the scarcity and this new world of AI coming in. And the word that hasn't been said, I don't think yet, I'd like to speak to is grief. Um, because there's a grieving for an old world that was the world without AI, the world without internet mobile phones going way back <laughs> um but do we actually consciously grieve and i say this from a point of view of having um my dad passed october 22 and people get through the first year get through the first year well i got through the first year and i was having a good ride over the last couple of months and was blindsided two days ago uh, waves and waves of grief over me and um, five other people in my life who were close to me transitioned in the same year. Um, an aunt, an uncle, two very close friends and um, a family friend. So um, I, I want, I've nearly said I've done grief. I haven't. <laughs> grief has met me and I have met grief in the last year and a bit. 
I think the only reason I'm probably not crying now is I've just had two days of it. So um, I'm in a out the wave part. Um, and I wonder if it's the grief that people are scared of, the emotion, because um, are we as human beings, we've talked previously about the head and not really tuning into the heart and we're good with the emotions that are happy and joy and this, but there's another set, there's a whole range. And I think grief on whatever level, and you, know, you, you said about and David within organizations, whatever it is, whether it's a job loss, a relationship loss, uh, a physical death, um, death of our own identities, we're all changing, Comes grief comes with it. Mm. And there's, I think unless we start allowing that and honoring it, and you find that there are some people who are very willing to listen to you and speak to you and ask you, you know, how do you feel today, Joe? Others will completely cross the road metaphorically, not phone you up and do not want to go there. So, and then that brings a whole other level of emotion around um, people not wanting to meet you in your grief. And if that's what I've experienced in the last year, it's given me many, many things, but it's given me a deep appreciation for anybody who is going through grief, because I do not believe anybody's grief story is the same. And it's it not. needs to be honoured. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to add what you're saying, because I, I was thinking about grief as well when everyone else was talking. And one of the things, and this is something I work my, myself and with my clients, is how we are emotional illiterates. So in grief, it's an emotion and it has many emotions inside. And what happens is, as you were saying, Joe, we are used to happy, joy, and we want to remain there. But actually, every emotion has a, an amazing message to tell us. And when we're going through transitions and through life, every emotion counts and every emotion is there to tell us something and we need to feel it because at the end and I don't know if you guys know this but feeling the emotion lasts 90 seconds in the body no longer so if you're feeling sad you just allow yourself to feel it and it's 90 seconds but if you go to your head about what it means it can last 20 minutes and you can go, you know, like really deep in a hole, in a horrible hole, thinking and making stories in your head about what it means when it's very, very simple and it's just letting yourself feel it. And I think that's something that people have not been doing. People are not feeling and it's not bad or wrong to feel sad, to feel depressed, to feel anger, to feel rage, to feel grief. It's we need to allow ourselves but having in mind, okay, I'm going to let the emotion pass through my body and let it out and be with it, sit with it, and not that's keep the, thought about it. No, sorry, go ahead, Amy. Uh, no, you. and yeah. Yeah, no, that's so, Joe, I'm so glad you brought this up. And it's also another huge part of what we're experiencing, I think, in humanity, and maybe on the heels of the pandemic, 
is you know the loss that's happened from the pandemic a lot a lot of people i mean many many people lost loved ones during the pandemic or had other disruptions due to the pandemic people who weren't even able weren't even formally through their own cultural priorities able to even grieve because you couldn't even have a funeral if your loved one passed during the pandemic right i mean it's just horrible and then the big overarching challenge today that's not being talked about, and Joe, you remind me too about the, sh we call it the shadow side, the darker side of ourselves and the emotional elements that are, you know, things that we're uncomfortable with has created and not processing those things has created this mental health crisis that's happening also. I mean, never uh, in my lifetime, I can't think of a time where it's been um, so devastating at so many levels. I mean, try to go find a therapist today. I mean, they're in such high demand and everyone especially the good ones are full. Um, and the other thing is just the team. So the other the other huge crisis we're in is this whole generation of kids who missed out on school for a year and a half or two years for some. And the impact of that, and I have two teenagers myself and, and it's very real for me in various levels um, what that's meant. And in fact, um, my daughter, my really close friend of my daughter, I, we just found out recently, is dealing with severe depression, suicidal depression. He's 15 years old. He's just a kid, right? I mean, who, at 15, how could you be? How could you be having that experience? And how horrible that must be. And I think going going full circle, this is why this topic is so critical, right? Is creating space and honoring the need for that other side of our emotions, the sad, the, the sadness, the grief having permission to be able to express that and not have it be squashed or minimized or, you know, you know, um, dismissed is so important. And that's where we're talking about masculine and feminine. Also, what's the integration look like? You can be a bold warrior and have, you know, incredible heart and feeling for your family, you know, for example, you know, and so, um, you know, what does that integration look like in honoring all parts of the human experience, not just the ones that we prefer feel good or dopamine loaded <laughs> experiences? <laughs> I think yeah. there's um, picking up on Anna's point about emotional literacy. The, the grief for me is, is slightly different from many other emotions. So put aside the happy ones that we all want to have or the, the, the nice, good feeling ones. Um, most of the emotions that we want to not handle for too long, like um, irritation, anger, um, generally they're there to give you a quick message, like wake up, fix something. Um, and you have to understand, is this, is the difference between frustration and anger and which one am I feeling? And is it, a, am I interpreting this emotion correctly? But grief is something very different. And it's a painful thing to go through because it's it's an honoring of a loss. And for most of us and me included, I really haven't been taught how to grieve healthily. And I know I'm not alone in this. Um, and, and Alice talked about, at least in the US, how much grief there should be, but that is not being handled healthily. It's being suppressed. Well, I can tell you, because this is such an important conversation, grief is very alive in Ecuador. And it's it's at a kind of a meta level. It's like the indigenous people that I met are grieving for the loss of the rainforest. 
they're grieving for the wildlife that is no longer there that's now extinct because of the roads and the concrete that have made their way into the rainforest and depleted it by two-thirds of what it used to be in the 1950s. They're grieving for the elections that they're having where people are getting into power that are supporting the extraction of oil from underneath the rainforest, which is going to lead to even more destruction. And it's, it's so interesting because I had this conversation, particularly with Raoul from wine sensor and he just won an award and he'd been invited to New York City to get this award and he turned it down and he said I don't know why I've been given an award because why would I go on stage to receive an award if I went on stage I'd have to bring everybody with me I'd have to bring the mountains and the rivers and the and the food and the trees and all of my people in my community because I couldn't be who I am and live the way I do without those things. Why, why have humans forgotten who they are and where they live and everything that supports them? Why do they think they're lone wolves? This is the grief that the indigenous, the Atua and the Sapra that I met are feeling right now. And then I look back at this meta level, coming back into the world, finding out about the conflict in Israel and Palestine as I landed back in the US. And, you know, and we've got Ukraine and Russia still at conflict. We've got AI coming in, maybe as a catalyst to say, well, what actually does it mean to be human? And I'm beginning to wonder if AI is coming in to remind us of who we are, that we are emotional that we can have these texture of feelings that you don't get out of ChatGPT. Maybe it's asking us to define and redefine what it means to be human. Knowing the energy, how yeah. are we using our energy? Yeah. Are we building a good right. life with our energy? Are we backing off? Are we destroying with our energy? Because it's not only what we say, what we do, it's how we show up with our energy to the world. I love that, Anna. And I'm going to ask Joe to come in at this point and speak to the context of the energy that we're, we've been living in in 2023 and that we're moving to in 2024. Because as energetic beings ourselves, we're also having to navigate the energetic soup, I guess, that we live within. But Joe, I'll let you speak to that a little bit more. The energetic soup is this point. <laughs> I, I like to go intuition first, but I, I do draw on um, particularly, well, I've done quite a lot of training with the Cairo in um, Peru with the um, shamanic tradition there and the indigenous. And I just, when you were speaking, Jane, my heart was just going there because I've heard similar Um mm -hmm come from um, Peru and I, I think um, indigenous voices have been shut off over the yeah. shut off over the years which is partly why it's part of my work to help bring those back because there's so much richness and wisdom there and to know that um, 
you know, they can sit in the mountains and watch the energies and um, say what's coming in and what we need to to be aware of. Um, but probably to go from one side of the world to the other. Um, and um, just from a, a Chinese astrology point of view, and, and um, I think it's, it's quite an interesting one to tap into because the Chinese astrology follows 12 animals and we cycle 12 years and five energies, water, wood, fire, earth, metal. And you can look at them actually quite literal. And we we're just coming out of a water rabbit year. And it's the second water year. Um, we had water tiger, water rabbit. Before that, we had metal rat, metal rat, metal ox, water tiger, water rabbit. Now they're quite interesting because it's generally when you look at cycles of time, that metal and water years tend to be depressions, recessions, um, uh, pullback, uh, things not good, appear not good, that always catalyst into something else happening on the planet. Um, and the water rabbit, where water can flow and move anywhere, emotional, and the little cute rabbit, which I think has been more like a thumper, um, is... Um, <laughs> thumping its feet you think about what a rabbit can do it pivots so you might have been going in one direction then you've changed direction then you've changed direction they like to be in groups build communities look what's happening in the world but both water and the rabbit are both yin and yin is the inner going in energy so i don't know it'll be interesting to hear how you've all found this year and obviously to the people listening it has been said that the energy of this last year was a year of contemplation. You might not feel like you've got far externally or to show anything for it, but internally been processing a lot, contemplating and getting ready for the year that's coming in, um, which is the wood dragon. And I find this one very fascinating because out of the 12 animal years that cycle, um, the others are all very known earthbound animals. The dragon is the only one that's mythical, or maybe not, but it's a mythical creature for all in intents and purposes. So it brings with it an energy of messages from beyond, messages from somewhere else. And it has this mystical feel to it. And it's a wood dragon and wood is very resonant of spring energy. Water is winter. so. We're coming into a spring, a wood, a yang, shoots coming up, and the dragon, which the wood dragon is a very humble dragon. And I did check in on a little bit of this today. I must just give a reference <laughs> to Davina McHale, who is my teacher in this area and my shamanic teacher. And um, she was saying that it's a very humble dragon that owns its power. And I think that's it. The dragon moves forward. It will breathe the fire. The wood dragon is getting ready to stoke fire. So we've, we've used the words. We use grassroots. You know, there's a lot of things now emerging around the world as a result of these autumny, wintry years that we've been in. And um, it's a year for wealth. We can create a lot of wealth, but we can also lose it. So if 
we are creating wealth, which I'm sure many people would like to do. Whatever wealth means to you, it needs to be protected in the year of the wood dragon. And you can always draw on themes from 60 years ago because it's a 60 year cycle. So whatever was happening in 1964, peace, there was wars, there was peace wanted, there was revolution, there was the psychedelics, um, all of the 1964 things. I let people do take their own version of that because we all might see it differently. Um, but yeah, I think we're moving into an interesting shift and also from a traditional astrology point of view, um, Pluto, which is planet of death, rebirth, transformation, has had 20-ish years in Capricorn. Um, part of the shadow side of that is patriarchal rule. It moves into Aquarius, which is the freedom revolution um, sign of the zodiac. So we've got this emergence of this wood moving forward, springing up with revolution. However, the shadow side of this is um, the misuse of AI. This is fascinating, Joe. I think I need the executive <laughs> summary for what you just shared. If you, if you have the cliff notes for that, that would be really helpful. I'm trying to take notes and I'm like... We'll oh, call them God. Joe notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe for anybody listening, you might want to go back bit by bit by bit on that. Right. But it felt like there's quite a lot of information to get out. Um, but we're moving out of the energy of a winter time, which is naturally when we all pull back and um, into the energy of spring um, for the next two years. And um, so let's just maybe stick with the wood dragon coming in. Um, take the messages from wherever you're hearing them from, trust your intuition and start those grassroots, bringing the wood out, the springing up and getting ready to stoke those fires. But it's also going to be a fast year because we've just coming out of a water rabbit, which was very yin yin. Uh, dragon energy and wood is the yang. So it's listening to this at this time, really prepare yourself for moving forwards fast. And it's a good time to actually really plan when you're going to take conscious pauses because we could get carried away if we don't put them in. So, Joe, I have a question for you, given that. Add in that perspective, I'm really curious what you would say in terms of what's your what do you imagine that means for us as people? Like what what would be coming if we're moving into the wood dragon year? Like what would be some tips or pointers for us as human beings and preparing I for think, that huge shift? I think it's an ideas time. I think it's time to put ideas into action. It's time of creativity and out of a lot of the um tragedies we've had over the last few years um, is always born ideas. And it's it's time for people to really put those ideas in. I also feel it's a time, I think more people are connecting to soul work and you're hearing more people use language that we wouldn't have heard years ago about what is sacred and what is important for the soul. And the invitation is get your ideas out there, put them into action, play with them i mean what can go wrong you can try things you can try something else um and trust trust the messages whether you feel they've come within your dreams from out of anywhere from inside your heart or gut um 
and act on them. You know, as you're speaking, Joe, there's something very simplistic coming up to me, coming up for me. And it's to do with the fact that out of the 12 different animals in the Chinese zodiac, the dragon is the only mythical creature, which makes me feel like this coming year is about trusting the mythic, the invisible, the sacred, you know, listening to that, because I'm also hearing you saying that. But listening to that as we start to maybe remember that, like David said, everything is sacred. Because for me, that shifts my relationship with my life, with the world. Like if I, if I can remember that my path is sacred, then it's not just about me either. It's about in service of life, being in service of and so I love what you shared there. It really, it it kind of, what's interesting is whenever I hear these horoscopes for the new year, I always look for the positives. I'm like, oh, you know, tell me there's a good year coming. We could do with that, right? But then the other side of that, the way you've described it is it, it sounds reality-based. So like you say, there's a humility with the wood dragon. So it feels grounded, even though it's mythic which I'm really excited about because I see this when I look at my insights from coming to the end of 2023 and I start to look at 2024, I can see the continuation of some, of course, of the patterns that we've already discussed, but I can also see almost like um, a transcendence of some of the issues that we have I'm hopeful that we'll begin to transcend as as we raise awareness and consciousness around these things, the visibility of them. I don't know, guys, what's coming up for you when you look at 2024? I think I've got, Jane, I wanted to say there's something about this, this movement. I've spoken, haven't I, saying I'm convinced we're going through an ascension in consciousness. Mm. Um, and of course, if you go on YouTube or actually if you do some spiritual work, you will have probably heard, listeners may have heard the language of we're going from 3D to 5D. Spoiler, there are more than five dimensions that we go through, but we're keeping it for 3 to 5D. And what's 4D? 4D is a sort of transition phase. So we're kind of within that. What uh, I really like around that is, of course, I think the beauty of this time, Al has mentioned the internet, we can just Google it. But I think we have access to so much wisdom, knowledge, information, indigenous and others. Some of the current information I like is in this particular context, if we think about uh, many would have perhaps heard of, of something called spiral dynamics. And that helps for me to explain what's going on here because they move in kind of colors. So the orange says, you know, it's competitive kind of Wall Street, Gordon Gecko. Wolf of Wall Street sort of phase where it's kind of, it's me, it's about me, I'm greedy, I'm making the money. Then there's a kind of green stage and we all recognise that, you know, we're kind of in that, the collaboration, look after the planet and the earth. But where we're moving to, I think, in this shift from 3 to 5D is there's a set, there's then a step jump in spiral dynamics. You go to literally another series of, of, of colours. And the first one in there um, from traditionally is the yellow one. And that's got a beautiful name. It's called Flex Flow. Mm. And what's beautiful about it is Flex Flow actually incorporates all the levels below it. So whereas we can actually see that, you know, the Gordon Gecko against the green person, there's a fight and there's a battle. The yellow Flex Flow actually, again, integrates. That's a word we've used today. 
integrates those and understands perhaps what's required. And that might be actually, I get a sense of that's probably the indigenous wisdom that they understand that. So we're moving, I think, into a space where they go, thank goodness you've caught up. Or thank goodness you're on your way to catching up, I should say. So I think there is something, you know, around that. And a word I've, I've worked with, and, and again, in the spiritual world, you will hear this, and it's beautiful if people haven't looked at it. And this is the, the idea of liminal space. And it's, it's very rooted in ancient wisdom. So Abraham, who's now the father of three of the, you know, the main faiths, his phrase was, he was going without knowing. I've written down, actually, it's a sense that we know, yet we don't know yet. <laughs> There's something deep inside, no, but we don't know yet. And something I had, which I love for this year. So, you know, we've spoken about grief. Something that's the word that's also called to me is this aspect of awe. And one of the definitions I heard of awe was, awe is it's the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. So it's kind of Joe's been speaking about the intuitive sense and there's a letting go and there's a sense of, so we're moving out of the, that's what I grew up with, where's your five-year business plan, <laughs> to this more sense of intuitive. But if you can be in a sense of awe and this sense of actually, and I love this phrase of actually, once you're in this intuition, you move into what I call the space of the choiceless choice, intuitive knowing. This one feels right for me. This is just the next step that I'm going to take. I'm not sure where I'm going to go next, but I'm trusting the unfolding. So that is... And of course, we can we can integrate that with with the head bits and the body bits, and but that's something very different in the way that we're shifting and learning to move. So, what's coming to me and myself and Joe did do a session here in the UK where we literally had a bridge, so three D to five D, and, and we asked people where they wanted to stand. Interestingly, some were already in five D, some were on three. I was on the bridge saying, "I want to help people across." But on this grieving thing, it may well be that not everyone wants to come across the bridge. And they need to be really held and respective. And there might be a kind of hospicing process where they're honoured because, you know, we don't, you've got to come across. No, actually, they may be choosing not to come across. So it's, you can see there's lots of things happening, I think, at this time. Mm. Um, but I do believe my, my, my own intuitive, heartfelt sense is it's moving. With, I think humanity is always blossoming, but there's something that is, I'm just so grateful I'm here at this time, actually, to experience what's going on. And you said something very important there, David, that I just want to highlight, because it's this idea that there's choice, you know, no matter what's going on around us or even within us, we still have choice. We get the chance to actually make our own choices about our relationship with life and the world and ourselves. And that's an agency that I think sometimes can be forgotten in this world. There's always choice. Adding to what you're saying, Jane, I want to quote somebody that you both and I like to read, Richard Raw, where he's talking about include and transcend. See, all of these steps, we have to go through them. We can't just sort of jump and be fully enlightened or some, or the equivalent that we have to go through these steps of awareness and education and even our spiritual development. And it's okay wherever you're at, that's where you're supposed to be right now, without feeling like you're being left behind. 
you're on your, your own journey. And I think that's a pressure that we put ourselves, that you see someone that it's in another process and you're like, I want to be there, but it's taking me so long and so much effort and I'm not even close. And you know, like all this uh, self-talk that it's very destructive as well. And it's very important to be more compassionate towards the place where we're at, because where we're at is perfect no matter what. Yeah. I feel like we're ready for a Sacred Changemakers conference to go really <laughs> deeper on these many topics and the many we haven't even touched on yet. <laughs> There's so uh, much here. I've been taking, I think I'm on page four of my own notes <laughs> from all the wisdom shared here. <laughs> yeah, now you said it publicly, Al, it's going to have to happen, isn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to manifest. What can I say? Create intention. <laughs> Each step unfold. <laughs> Right. Oh my Starts gosh. with a thought, turns into a <laughs> a, a word. Speak yeah. talking. Well, I'm noticing the time, guys, and we are getting towards the end of our conversation now. So I would just like to ask you all one final question. And that is simply this. If there's something that you wanted to share today, or maybe something that's just bubbling up for you now that we haven't had time to get to. Or maybe it's just some final words of wisdom you'd like to leave our audience with after this deep, rich conversation we've had today. What might it be? So I'd like to share something that's on my desk that's been very helpful to me. And I'm told is attributed to James Baldwin. There is not as much humanity as one would like, but there is more than you think, and there is enough. And this is said by a man who's seen more ugliness than probably all of us combined. Thank you. I feel actually just called just to, to just add something around what, what Al has been bringing to the table and others. And that is around the word as well. So look forward in 2024, the trends. I also written down the word disruption. And I don't just mean minor disruption. I actually mean people probably would have heard of the S curve where it's exponential change, exponential growth. And, and to give an example, you know, if I think of Tesla, people say, oh, that's a car company. No, it's not a car company. It's actually an AI, it's a robotics company. And incredibly, the robots they're building, they're forecasting in about 10 years' time, it will actually produce about 90% of Tesla's revenue. And of course, when you think of the robots taking the jobs, you know, we're no longer need drivers in, in, in the AI, in the car, whatever, there's really exponential change happening here. And if people want to look at this and have evidence of this and think, oh, I'm not sure of that, have a look. If you're in the States, I'm trying to look at it today before I came on. The growth of the state's S&P 500, the largest 500 companies, it's gone up by 25% this year, that index. Isn't that great? It's fabulous. It's a good growth. But if you look at the growth of the NASDAQ 100, which is the technology companies, that's gone up 55% this year, more than double that. And it's, it's actually forecast to continue that. So this exponential growth is coming through the technology. And I just want to say that actually, I've always said technology is neutral. We've said this before, it's how we use it. But be aware, if you haven't yet done your research on 
what crypto is, what blockchain is, what Bitcoin is. Do that because someone mentioned, you know, BlackRock, they're coming in, they're launching a Bitcoin fund. This is coming mainstream. You're going to get caught unawares. And the technology that's there in the blockchain is potentially what is transformation is going to break apart our financial systems completely so more effective to work in these areas and actually what we haven't spoken of today what i just want to finish on is the role of the younger generation coming through there's a lot of them in this blockchain arena a lot of them with big dreams in this blockchain arena which i really want to honor and support i think you know perhaps if i've moved moving in towards an elder position really get behind them and say actually you know the world you want to bring in let's give you the support for this because i sense there's some resistance from particularly the older white males who are they've got the billions and they don't want it to come in we, we opened up it all was it angela was speaking about the power they have really how do we empower these youngsters to step in and understand what's happening here and one final one because it's about the macro picture. Maybe macro is important. If you haven't come across the growth of BRICS, so it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and UAE and Saudi Arabia joining in January 2024, by the time you listen to this, this is a massive shift in the world economy. They now will be bigger than the States and Europe. Potentially, they'll move away from the petrol dollar. They may have their own currency. So there's big exponential shifts coming. So I really would say to those listening, please, you know, go away. And it's, you know, I think it is good news, but do your research because there are massive disruptive changes coming. So, and there is information, lots of information, as I was saying out there. So you can get up to speed or at least have an awareness of it. I think that's what I would say. Thank you, David. Okay. There's so much I want to say, <laughs> but I'm going to go with one thing and it's be the change you want to be in the world, as Gandhi was saying. And it's what I want to leave the audience with is try in 2024 to be more in the being than in the doing and being your truly self, your authentic self. Shift there and everything will start to align to what's best for you. Thanks, Anna. And um, just to add on, it's interesting, massive subject, and we touched on it in a lot of ways, but just to bring in health and well-being amongst all of this, whatever the emotions are, um, I mean, simply just drink more water and be conscious of your breath, because we've talked about um, birth, death, rebirth, we come in on the inhale, we leave on the exhale. How conscious are we of the breath in between? And it's so powerful in anything you notice in the body, you can consciously send your breath to that space. And I feel a lot of human beings have become disconnected from their bodies and from the earth. So we look at what's happening and things that are happening on the planet with like you say, the, the rainforest and you know the oceans, everything that's happening is, I mean, for me over the last year to help my own healing, I, I grew vegetables, I grew flowers, I grew herbs, and I physically got my hands in the soil and I connected to Mother Earth. And that was one of the most beautiful, powerful um, parts of 2023 for me. And it connects you. 
whether you stand barefoot on the ground, get your hands in the soil, notice your breath, to get reconnected to who we are, to our bodies and to the earth means that each and every one of us is taking some action because the more we connect, the more we become aware of what's happening on the macro scale. Because as cliched as it is, it does start with us. I'll just piggyback on that. I love that, Joe. It's it's so powerful. Just getting back to the most vital things, breathing, water, health and wellness. And uh, you're making me think too, for me, it's slowing down. It's just really not buying into the, the pace all the time and the technology, but being present in the now nature with a capital N. So us as human beings, the the woods, the trees, the air, the water, our relationships, our humanity connecting at a human level and not letting the media and the temptations and the immersion in our phones and all the things pinging us for attention distract us from what really, really matters and remembering that we're spiritual beings having a human experience and to pay attention to that and align with that. And um, yeah, there's lots of magic and I love all that you shared, David, is phenomenal perspective on the future, I think. And there is a lot of massive change that a lot of it's going to be very exciting, probably disruptive, probably lead to some grief, probably leads to some tension, but there's a lot of upside on the other side of it too. But at the end of the day, day in and day out, I think it's remembering our loved ones, our friends, our health, our wellness, being grateful for being part of nature at the level that we get to be and appreciating the animals and the birds and all those things. So that that's what brings inspiration to me. So I'll stop there. Thanks, Al. And I just want to share a question, I think, for people, which um, as I go into 2024, this is something that's very alive for me, which is who do we want to be as humans? Who do we want to become? And how do we live in resonance with ourselves, with each other? And with all living things. <laughs> okay, guys. So I could talk to you guys all day. And I literally mean that. <laughs> but we need to bring this conversation to a close. So I just want to thank each and every one of you. I have really enjoyed our conversation today. And I know our listeners will have got so much from this conversation. So thank you, guys. I've loved everything you've shared. Thank you. Okay, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for each of our guests today are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. A big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors, and also our extended community, who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Lots of love.